Live from downtown Salt Lake City, the Utah Debate Commission welcomes you to the 4th Congressional District Candidates Debate. Good evening. I'm Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News. It's my pleasure to moderate tonight's debate at the invitation of the Utah Debate Commission. This event, held live on October 12th, is part of the Utah Debate Commission's work to educate voters and encourage the civil exchange of ideas. If you're watching or listening live, we encourage your reactions and questions on social media using the hashtag UTDebates and ListenLearnVote. We are live from Salt Lake City, Utah, where we are holding the debate between candidates in Utah's race for the 4th Congressional District. Tonight, we will hear from the incumbent, Democratic Congressman Ben McAdams, and his Republican challenger, Mr. Burgess Owens. For the safety of all involved in the debate process, we are adhering to social distancing guidelines, and there is no studio audience. The Utah Debate Commission has established a format that allows each candidate one to two minutes one to two minutes for their initial reply to a question. I will then direct follow-up responses and questions. Tonight, we'll be taking questions from members of the news media, students from Salt Lake Community College, and from members of the viewing audience participating on social media. Prior to the debate, a virtual coin toss determined that Burgess Owens will provide the initial response to the first question. We will alternate who answers first on the remaining questions. So let's get right to it. Mr. Owens, welcome. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Doug. Um, we wanted to under, let voters see a little bit personal about each of the candidates. So, Mr. Owens, what uniquely qualifies you to represent the 4th Congressional District? Thank you. First of all, I'd like to, to thank the Utah Debate Commission and those that are, that are listening in. Uh, I have a very unique American story. I grew up in the Deep South, Tallahassee, days of segregation in the KKK. At 12 years old, I was... Uh, marching in front of an all-white movie theater just because I could not go there. I was the third black American to go to University of Miami to play football, and there I got a degree in biology and chemistry. I played, fo I played football and Super champion, and a little bit later, I was a chimney sweep security guard. A little bit later, a, kind of a, a, corporate, a, a corporate executive. I battled cancer, and through that process, there were some financial hardships, which I was able to come through. And I stand before you today as a survivor of both. My 30-year dream came true here in the Valley, was able to start Second Chance for Youth, an organization that gave our at-risk boys and girls here their second chance. And last and most importantly, I'm a proud father of, five, of six and a grandfather of six, uh, 15, all here living in, in the, uh, the, the Fourth District. My journey is unique but common with Utah's values and culture. We dream, we risk, and if we fail, we start anew with added faith and humble hearts. I look forward to fighting for those values here in Utah and making sure that what makes our Utah really great can continue to stay this way for sure. Thank you, Mr. Owens. You have 90 seconds, Mr. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Doug. And thank you also to the Utah Debate Commission for sponsoring this debate and to Burgess Owens. It's great to see you. Uh, I am honored to serve as Utah's independent voice in Washington. I am the most independent member of Utah's delegation. I was raised in a family of eight on values of faith, family, and duty to community. Growing up, my family struggled to make ends meet, and I'm grateful for the blessings that I have today. 
I was taught to work hard, and my mother taught me that it's important that we give back. I'm proud to receive the first ever award for bipartisanship from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and their endorsement for my work to build bridges and to find solutions to the challenges that we face as a country. Solutions must be bipartisan if we are to en enact them into law. That's how I've worked with Republicans and Democrats to reduce prescription drug prices, to protect access to health care. And that's how I've helped individuals, families, small businesses, hospitals, health care workers, seniors, and veterans to weather the storm from the coronavirus. But there's more to do. I'm proud to be a unifying leader, but I'm not afraid to stand alone if that's what's good for hardworking Utahns. Thank you. We'll go to our second question, and as we are trying to do, we will alternate who goes first on those questions. So we'll go to Congressman McAdams, to you first. The coronavirus pandemic has gripped the world, the nation, and certainly Utah. Do you believe that President Trump has done a good job managing the pandemic, and secondly, has Congress? Well, thank you, Doug. Uh, as someone who was sick with the coronavirus, diagnosed in March and was very, very sick and spent eight days in the hospital, I know how serious this virus can be. And it is hitting our state and our country so hard. And I, like many of us, have friends and, and loved ones who have been afflicted by this virus and, and a dear friend right now who's in the hospital on a ventilator. This virus is serious and we must take it seriously. And I believe that Washington has failed us. Congress has failed us. When, uh, when the virus first hit in early March, we came together with a plan to, uh, to help those who would need a lifeline uh, because of the economic hardship and, and a plan to slow the spread of this virus with testing. And that, that legislation passed with bipartisan, overwhelming bipartisan support through the House, through the Senate, and was signed into law by the President. These are things like PPP that give a lifeline to small businesses that were struggling. Uh, it, it gave the economic impact payments to individuals who were hit so hard and weren't sure how they would put food on the table or pay rent. Uh, you know, I think of a business, Pat's Barbecue, and Dave at Pat's Barbecue, who reached out to my office because they weren't sure what was going to happen to them in this shutdown. And uh, they were able to receive a PPP loan that was a lifeline to them, like to so many other businesses, to help them get through until things could normalize a little bit. Uh, but in the time since then, we've seen partisanship creep back in and Republicans and Democrats fighting against each other and failing the American people. So I have called on Republicans and Democrats to come together, pass legislation to continue to shore up the foundation of our economy and to help people who are suffering. Mr. Rons, you have 90 seconds. Same question about the president's performance and the performance of Congress. I think we need to look at the foundation, the, the rights that we have, life, living, pursuit of happiness. We came into this, uh, this pandemic beginning of the year with a remarkable uh, economy, the best we've ever seen. And yet, because of life, the, the, the threat of 2.2 uh, million people possibly dying, we were able to shut it down. And that, was, that took a lot of faith. That actually took a lot of uh, courage to do so. The key to it is what happened in the process is we pulled together warp speed where we brought businesses and, uh, and, and government together to truly get things done we've never done before. Within nine months, come, come together with a, with a vaccine, which normally takes decades or years. And so <clears throat> that was the first part. The second part, of course, was making sure that the liberty of the, the power was pushed down as far as we could to those who can, who can really take care of it, the governors. And basically, based on uh, which, which state, some governors handled it a uh, little bit better than others. The thing we have right now, though, is, is the pursuit of happiness is allowing us now to come back, allowing the business owners to, to have a say in, in how we open up our society again. So we make sure that we're getting 
people back in business and, and back in school uh, and those things that really make our country what it is, to continue to, to dream and hope. And, of course, we need to get that done. And that's what's happening now. Uh, that's what our president is, is pushing toward. So I think basically we're, we're down to 1.4 percent in terms of uh, unemployment, which says a whole lot about our society and our culture here. And, uh, and I think we're going to do really well in terms of uh, allowing the rest of the country to see how, how, how well uh, Utah works in getting our country back, uh, our country back in shape. Mr. Owens, just a quick follow-up. Uh, Congressman McAdams talked about the failures of Washington. Do you think the president did enough? I think, I think what it comes down to is bipartisanship. And we have to make sure we're working together. Right now, we're looking at targeting um, uh, help for folks who really need it, and not for, not for states, not for blue states that want to get bailed out, but uh, because of the way they have dealt things in the past, they don't deserve that right now. So I think the key is coming together, putting the focus on, on we the people, those who really do need the help in a targeted way. And we get that done, and we, we all look at the same end game in, in a positive way. I think we'll do okay with that. Okay, about a 30-minute rebuttal. He talked about red states versus blue states. Congressman, do you support that? Yeah, well, thank you. I think, first of all, uh, we want to, I want to acknowledge that uh, we are still, there are a lot of people who are still struggling, and there's a lot of hardship. Unemployment is an unacceptably high in Utah. And even for those who are working, uh, they're underemployed. I talked about Dave, who, who runs Pat's Barbecue, and, you know, they're able to, to open today, but they're nowhere near the profitability that they were just, uh, just one year ago. And so, uh, um, Utah businesses are still struggling. Utah families are still struggling. And, uh, and that worries me. And I want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to support them. I, I, uh, you know, I do want to commend Governor Herbert and, and his leadership. Uh, he has, I, in my view, admirably so, not made this about partisanship, not about Republicans and Democrats, but about doing the right thing to help to support people here in Utah. And, uh, you know, I think we could look back and say there are things that we would have done differently. But uh, in Utah, we come together. We try to solve our problems, and we don't try to make them partisan. And there's still people who are struggling, and, and there's still more work to do to support them. Given that the hospitalizations are they're starting to get scary levels, do you support a statewide mandate, even with your support of the governor? Yeah, you know, I, again, I know how serious this virus is. I wear a mask. Uh, I'm, I'm now giving uh, plasma, donating plasma, and, and they test my antibodies. I have antibodies that, that they say um, should provide some level of protection. They don't know how much, and they encourage me to still wear a mask, and I do wear a mask and, and, uh, and do my best to model good behavior and then also to do my part to slow the virus. And I think that's what's important for everybody in Utah. Let's each and every one of us do our part, take responsibility for our actions, and, and help do our part to help s slow the spread of this virus and pr protect those who, who might be vulnerable. Do you support Mr. Onza's statewide mandate? Uh, I don't support a statewide mandate. Um, a couple of things. We're now learning so much about this virus. We just came out a report yesterday that WHO says now that uh, a lockdown was a mistake and we should not do that because the damage is doing physically and mentally. So we're learning it continually. I think it comes down to we've been, we've done a good job of coming our society back. It is, it is important for us to take personal responsibility. If you allow businesses to really uh, take the lead on this, business owners want to make sure that people come back. They want to make sure they are coming back to their stores, that they feel safe, that they continue to, to, to put their dollars down. If you allow business owners where it's really at the very crux of, of where we can get our economy back, then I think we can make the right decisions. What, from what I'm seeing right now, business owners are dealing with masks. They, they, every place I go, they want masks when they come into the place because they want their customers to feel safe. Uh, we should do it from that level versus uh, the top-down mandates, which I'm beginning to see. Uh, it's not been very, very helpful in some ways. Thank you, Mr. Owens. Let's move on to the stimulus, and this is for uh, you, Congressman, to start. Congress has failed to produce a second stimulus package, as we all know. 
President Trump's administration proposed a $1.8 trillion measure, which would include a $400 boost in weekly unemployment insurance, $1,200 direct payments for U.S. adults, and $1,000 payments for each child. That was projected by Nancy Pelosi over the weekend, and again today she wasn't ready to go there, even though some Democrats are encouraging her to do that. Democrats have pushed for $600 increase in weekly unemployment, $1,200 payments for child dependents, and substantially more funding for state and local governments. What do you support as a congressman? What do you think uh, Speaker Pelosi should do, and what would you like to do? Well, thank you, Doug. And first of all, let me just reiterate that we have to do something, and we cannot let partisanship and gridlock stop us and paralyze us from taking any steps to send that lifeline to the American people. We need to enact a smart plan that will slow the spread of this virus, bring down hospitalization rates and positive rates in, U in Utah, and, uh, and help those families and those small businesses that are really struggling. So uh, the Democrats have put forward a plan that uh, it was the, the first plan was $3 trillion, and, and I actually voted against that plan. I thought it did spend too much. I, uh, while I know that we need to take steps to stabilize the economy today, we have to do that recognizing the impacts that will have on future generations. Any money we spend today is going to have to be paid for. And uh, fiscal responsibility is a priority of mine, and, uh, and we can't forget the need to act in a fiscally responsible way. So what I like about the president's plan is it includes uh, money for small businesses, an additional round of PPP, and support for families. And so I call on everybody in Washington, Republicans, Democrats, House, Senate, and White House, to get back to the table, negotiate a deal, uh, make, a, make compromises, and build consensus and do something for the good of the American people. Mr. Owen, same question. Let me frame it this way. The president is putting forth $1.8 trillion measure. Some Republicans think that's too high. Where do you stand on that figure and what uh, President Trump is trying to do? Well, I'll tell you what. First of all, let's take a look at the first time it came through. We had over 50,000 PPP loans put out, $5.5 billion, and it allowed us to to be aggressive in terms of getting our unemployment rate down. We need to make sure that what comes next is targeted. We have businesses that need this, and certain businesses are doing well. They don't need to have the same, the same uh, help as others. The last thing we need to do is, is bail out uh, cities, black, uh, blue cities. And that's part of what uh, Nancy Pelosi is putting forth, that part of this is to actually help uh, those cities that have been very, very uh, ne neglectful in the way they have done business in the past. Uh, we need to make sure that this goes to those who need it. And again, with a $27 trillion national debt right now, adding as much as we are right now, we have to be very, very careful about how we do this and make sure it's done in the right way and not encouraging people not to work. Welfare is not a good thing. People want to work. Allow them to go to work, feel the dignity of, of, of that process, and, and allow, uh, allow business owners to, to hire those who want to come back and make this thing happen. Let's do 30-second rebuttal. Do you have thoughts on that in terms of uh, Yeah, I, well, look, I would just say again, uh, we have to come to uh, a deal. We have to, we have to reach a compromise. And uh, I do share concerns about the impact of, of a high level of spending. Now, the worst thing we can do for the deficit is to watch the economy go off a cliff. We have to take measures to stabilize the foundation of our economy, but we should not be voting uh, through uh, everything. When I voted against the HEROES Act, uh, this was the Democratic proposal, uh, the $3 trillion proposal, I called it a partisan wish list. This is not a time for partisanship or to, to fund a backlog of things that people have wanted to do for a long time. This is time for targeted relief to the American people, and, uh, and we need to do it uh, with fiscal responsibility in mind. So you both mentioned target relief. Do you have 30 more seconds, uh, Mr. Owens? To I do believe that. I, do, I just wanted to, to just push back just for a quick minute because you're right. It's partisan. It, it is. We should be looking at the same end game right now to make sure our country comes back. 
Uh, and as, as much as my opponent uh, uh, talks about going across the, the aisle, we have to keep in mind is uh, 85% he is voting for, um, for the leadership of the Democratic Party. And that's what we have to work through right now is making sure that we all have the same end game. The end game is for Americans to come forth and to succeed again, prosper, and to have the freedoms we all uh, fight for, uh, we all think we deserve and, and, and should, do deserve. So and keep that in mind, uh, we have, again, in this case here, uh, Nancy Pelosi is not, not on the same page with that. Uh, and, and I would look forward to her coming together and the rest of the Democratic Party and Republican Party realizing the end game is, is make sure our, our country succeeds and moves forward again. Thank you. We welcome Glenn Mills of ABC4 Utah, who has a question. And this will be uh, first for uh, Mr. Owens. And it'll be a minute. Thank you, Doug. Gentlemen, good to be with you tonight. Following the death of George Floyd, elected officials here in the state of Utah started meeting with members of the local Black Lives Matter chapter in ways the founder of that organization says has never happened before to discuss potential reform. What does the Black Lives Matter movement mean to you and how would you act to support how you feel about that? Well, first of all, we have to understand what the black BLM means and what it is. And I would suggest, because we have good people, and there's sometimes special interests use good people to move their, their, their agenda forward. Black Lives Matter, BLM Inc., in their, in their manifesto, are against capitalism, against the nuclear family, um, and they're against God. So, no, we, we have a lot of things. We the people have done so good in the past just by being who we are. We put together things like Second Chance for Youth, other things around this country that allows us to, to work with those who really are in need. We don't need an organization that... The end game, the, 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 the byproduct is destruction, is loss of more black lives, more black businesses, and, and a division of our country right now that we do not need. So let's understand, again, good people, please don't, don't, don't let uh, special interests uh, drive the process. Know who they are. Do your homework. And let's stand together and make sure we're doing things that based on respect of God, country, family, women, and, and, and authority. Ms. McAdams? Yeah, thank you. You know, we have come so far as a country uh, and, and accomplished many incredible things. And we've made incredible progress as we work to make sure that everybody in, in our community is treated fairly and equally under the law and afforded the dignity that every individual respects. But we also have more we can do. And the events over the summer have highlighted to me that uh, while we have made such incredible progress and have so much to be proud of, there is more we can do. There are people in our community who feel left behind and feel that they aren't treated fairly. And, you know, it was just within the last couple of weeks, a community leader, uh, President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, called upon us to put aside racism, to rise up and to be better versions of ourselves. And, and I think that call goes to each and every one of us. How can we be better? How can we make our neighbor feel more accepted and respected and to have the dignity that everyone enjoys. And so while we have come a long way, I think there's more we can do. And, uh, and I plan to, to do my part to help uh, build, build those bridges and heal the divides that exist in our country. Glenn? Uh, Mr. Owens, both Governor Herbert and Senator Lee would be two examples who find the local chapter to be credible, invited them into their offices to discuss reform. A number of local lawmakers at the state level are working with them. Do you find no value at all in the local chapter? I find value in talking to anyone that wants us to talk. I think the most important thing is for us to know, uh, know our history, number one. 
The idea that we're a systemic racist country is totally false. I grew up during days of, of again, KKK, when you had separate uh, uh, bathrooms, separate fountains. And it, and it came in the NFL when you had no black quarterbacks, no middle, middle linebackers, uh, because there was a, their white thinking positions. We've come to a point now where our country looks at each other better from inside out than outside in than any other country in the history of mankind. We need to be proud of that. And we need to start off by teaching our history so white Americans do not feel, feel they have to apologize for being white, and black Americans do not feel they have to be angry because they're black. This is a country that's brought so much. We look at the success across our nation now. We have young men making $50 million a year and not willing to stand for our flag because they don't understand. They've not been taught how to respect and appreciate those who came before us. We're not a perfect country. never will be until Christ comes back. But meanwhile, while that, before that happens, let's do the very best we can to appreciate who we are and to appreciate our past and, our, and, our, and, and those we, whose, whose shoulders we have stood on, for sure. Thank you. I believe we can uh, recognize the incredible things that's happened in this country, the progress we've made in, in uh, making everybody feel respected and dignified, whether it's this year celebrating the 100th anniversary of, of women's suffrage and, and, and progress we've made to make sure that every American of any ethnicity feels uh, treated with respect and dignity. But let's not... Let, let's also recognize that we have more progress to make. And for me, progress starts with listening. Uh, I, uh, my door is always open, and I hear from people across our community who feel uh, that doors aren't open to them, that they may try as, as hard as they may try to, to get ahead, that they're, uh, they're not afforded the same opportunities. And so I look uh, internally, what can I do to contribute to healing the divisions that exist in our country, to bringing us together, and to get to the point that every American feels respected and valued. And I think we have more progress we can make. I want to do 30 more seconds on this. So um, Mr. Owens said there was no systemic racism. Others refer to that as institutional racism. Do you believe there is institutional racism in America? Well, I think, I think the American people are a great people. And in Utah, I think we... Uh, we are a great people, and I don't think that anybody, uh, you know, let's acknowledge there are some, some bad apples, and uh, the, uh, with the murder of George Floyd, there are people who take despicable actions, and we need to call that for what it is. It was a murder, and, uh, and those people need to be held accountable and held, held responsible for their actions. But I think we can also recognize that uh, um, we can do better at making people feel that they have the opportunity that all of us have. And I see I'm out of time, actually, but um, let me just conclude there. I think we can do better. Uh, there are, you know, not everybody feels that, that they have equal access to every opportunity. Mr. Owens, 30 more seconds. I think Utah is a state that can show, give an example of how it works, how we get past this idea that there's systemic racism. We have a culture in which we send our kids out for two years across this country, around the world, and they deal with people from every kind of background. They come back realizing, again, what it means to look at each other from inside out, not outside in. That is our nation. That's been a 50-year history that I can think of growing up in the deep south Tallahassee. It bothers me to think that we have a country in which my parents' generation did such a great job of proving that all you have to do is love your nation, love your God, love each other, and we get better and better as time goes on. Every generation gets better than the next in terms of, of this process. So let's not take the narrative for those who do not love our country those who do not love God. And believe it or not, there's, there's, a, there's a segment out there in ideology that truly does not love the culture we have. If we take from them the direction, then we'll be a divided country. We the people, the most powerful thing that we have is our ability to communicate to each other, talk to each other, care for each other, and that no one does it better than we do. So, no, there's not systemic racism, people. I grew up in that, that environment. I can tell you, 
uh, with, a, with a family that has the, the color of the rainbow, my personal family, that's not the case. Let's, uh, let's move on. I feel like we could talk for an hour on that one topic, <laughs> but we'll, we'll move on. Let's switch gears for a minute. We have a video question uh, from one of our Salt Lake Community College students, if we can roll that. Hi, my name is Zach Schaefer. I'm a full-time student and part-time staff employee at Salt Lake Community College. I am also a type 1 diabetic and get insurance because of the Affordable Cares Act. My question is, how could you help me get the life-sustaining medication at affordable prices if the Affordable Care Act were to go away? Thank you. Let me go to Mr. Owens first. You have two minutes. Okay. First of all, uh, let's not let fear drive us, uh, my friends. Uh, Pre-existing conditions off the table. Uh, the, the, the Republican, the Republican uh, senators passed a, a, a law that made sure it was part of it. Just two weeks ago, President Trump made sure he did an executive order that would be part of a policy. Uh, both sides of the aisle agree that that's a good part of the, of the Obama care act. So don't, do not let uh, those who say we're trying to take that away. Um, it's not an issue. So, yes, you will have, we'll have other things. The other things we'll be looking at are things like transparency. How about portability? where whether you're working at a particular job or not, it is your income, your, your insurance instead of theirs. You can take it with you. These are the kind of conversations we need to have, and it comes by thinking outside the box, not thinking that all we have to do is stick with the, the, the process that has been in the past. We get that done, and we can come up with some solutions that will be very, very good for everyone, in particular this particular area of, of health care. Congressman. Well, thank you, Doug. And this is something that, uh, that weighs on my mind quite heavily because my sister is a type 1 diabetic. She was diagnosed at the age of 4 when she went into a coma. And uh, we know as a family uh, the challenges that she's now uh, uh, older, and she may not like that word, but she's older. She has two kids, and she's doing well. But uh, throughout my entire childhood, we were uh, a family that was struggling to make ends meet, and, and, and expensive medication was, was one of the things that impacted our, our family budget. And uh, the price of insulin has only increased since then. And I, as a member of Congress, have met with uh, parents of diabetics and diabetics, and, and I hear their stories about rationing insulin and, uh, and trying to make it stretch it through the, throughout the end of the month to get by, and you just can't ration insulin. And so I know how much the price of insulin is affecting these families, and it's affecting their health, and, and sadly, people have died because they have attempted to ration insulin because they can't afford it. And so, you know, the protections under the Affordable Care Act for people with pre-existing conditions is incredibly important, and also addressing the price of necessary medications. And I'm, ha I, I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, my opponent, Mr. Owens, talk about uh, the need to protect people with pre-existing conditions, but Mr. Owens, your website, up until three weeks ago, talked about removing protections for people with pre-existing conditions. And that's troubling to me because I know a lot of people who rely on those protections for their life-sustaining medicine. I think of, of Camille, who's a mother of a son with a pre-existing condition, and, and she worries every day that they're going to be able to, uh, to, to have access to the medication that keeps her son alive. And... Uh, uh, you know, I, I was concerned to see that on your website. I know that you've uh, updated it after we started talking about the need to protect people with pre-existing conditions. But simply saying that you want to protect people with pre-existing conditions is not going to protect them. We have to keep the protections in place right now. And, uh, and I, I'd be curious what your plan is to protect those people, because simply saying it isn't going to do it. Mr. Owens, 45 seconds, your response? Well, if I had seen that on my website, I would have been concerned, too. It never said that, my friends. Uh, I'm, a, I, I'm a cancer survivor. 
I understand what pre-existing conditions are all about. Um, and at the end of the day, we have right now already in place an executive order by the President Trump. And the Congress has passed laws that said this will be protected. So to bring this up as an issue is using fear. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, uh, you know, we have senior citizens out there. They've paid the price. They've done what they have to do. They're now at the vulnerable position. They have, again, people with issues like health care that are at vulnerable positions. Let's not use fear as a way to get votes. Uh, I've seen it happen in my race, my community, for way, way too long. At the end of the day, pre condition is not an issue. Look at, all you have to do is look at what's been passed by both sides of the aisle, and that's been taken off. So for my, for my opponent to bring this up, it's, it's kind of typical, again, what I've seen so many years, and that is throwing stuff out there that actually is not true uh, and, and to change the, the topic. So we're going to continue moving forward. What we're doing right now, by the way, uh, taking out, okay. <clears throat> Your response, Yeah, thank seconds. you. And Mr. Owens, people are afraid. Uh, I talked about Mindy and I talked about Camille. They are afraid that they won't have access to, to health care if protections for people with pre-existing conditions are repealed. And again, uh, it is true. And uh, we, can, we can tweet out, but on September 22nd, your website changed from saying we must repeal protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, your website changed. And, and so I think justifiably so. People are afraid. They're worried that they might lose life-sustaining access to medication. And, uh, and I think this is, this is real and this is an important issue for us to debate. How are we going to protect people with pre-existing conditions? Because simply saying it isn't going to protect them. Mr. Owens, 30 yeah. seconds. What, I, what we came, had on the site was we, we would appeal Obamacare. Um, we will now reform Obamacare since we have had the, the switches and, and, the, and the, the tweaking. Nowhere on my website has that, has that come up. And this is what I want to make sure everybody understands. It's time for uh, us to really hold our, 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 our representatives accountable. All we ask of them is two things, is be honest and to keep your word. That's basically it. And for us to be having a conversation with pre-existing conditions or bombs going off in, in lower, man, uh, lower Utah or things that are made up, manufactured, because what the Democratic Party does, in this case here, unfortunately, uh, we're using D.C. tactics. And fear should never be a way that we go after uh, our solutions. Let's make sure we get it done. Thank you. Final response. Yeah, thank this. you. I would just say, uh, you know, it, it was in black and white on the website. Uh, we saw it. I was concerned by it. Many people were concerned by it because they know how important this medication is. And so, Mr. Owens, uh, what's true is true. And this was, this was the position statement on your website that, uh, that the Affordable Care Act must be repealed, which includes, uh, and that includes these protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Now, your website changed on September 22nd, but I, I don't think you can sit here today and say that uh, up is down and down is up. Uh, these, this is true, and this is a, a policy difference between us that I think it's important for people to understand, especially people who are afraid that they might lose access to life-saving medication. Thank you. I appreciate the back can, and forth. Can I just say? On. No, that's, we'll come back. Okay. Let me, uh, everybody can take a drink of water. <laughs> we are nearing the midpoint of our time tonight, and I think it's going well. We appreciate the honesty of the candidates. I welcome you once again to this live debate between the candidates for Utah's 4th Congressional District. And as a reminder, use the hashtags UTDebates and listen, learn, vote. Now let's return to our debate. I want to talk a little bit about some of the words. Uh, we talk about the websites. We talk about words mattering. We've talked about Black Lives Matter. But if I can start with uh, you, Mr. Owens. You talked to uh, Maria Baratomo on Fox News and said the Democratic Party is led by narcissists and, and sociopaths. 
Your quote, and it was last month in September, you said, I truly believe this, Maria, that the Democratic Party, what really draws the type of people, I'm talking about leadership, they draw narcissists and sociopaths. These are people who have no empathy for anyone else. They love misery. Do you really believe your opponent, who's part of that party, is a sociopath, a narcissist? Very clear. There is a leadership part of uh, the Democratic Party that's been very consistent. And when I talk about the misery that's been used as a political strategy, I've seen it for decades. You see in the black communities where you have murder going crazy, you have 75% of the black boys in the state of California cannot pass standard reading writing tests. 13 uh, schools in Baltimore have zero proficiency in math. So when I talk about a heartless ideology. There's an ideology out there that, that we have to face the facts. Our Judeo-Christian values is, 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 was given us the great country we are. There's another side of that picture that hates every part of that, and they use misery as a political tool, and I've seen it in my, my community in particular. By the way, uh, Burgess for Utah backslash facts. I think it's important for those of you who see, you know, we might not agree on policies, but let's just make sure that we really understand if, what truth is and where it is. And so please go there because we don't have the $10 million that uh, the Pelosi has been able to put into this, this, um, this campaign to go against every single um, uh, falsehood. So we're doing very, very simply. We put it in one location, Burgess for Utah, backslash facts. And check facts out yourself. And you'll see based on that whether uh, I'm being honest or not. Can I, can I ask if you stand by that statement or not? Yes, I do. <coughs> okay. I do. <coughs> Congressman? Any? Well, thank you, Doug. And um, I, I think those words are troubling in a, in a time where America finds ourselves as divided as I've ever seen us. And I think people, a lot of people are like me. We are exhausted of the controversy and the division, and we want to come together. And, and there's, an, in the middle of this pandemic, with the hardship that so many Utah families are feeling, now it is important more than ever to stop the name-calling and stop the finger-pointing and come together. When I was elected to Congress just over a year and a half ago, one of the first things I did was join a group called the Problem Solvers Caucus. This is a group made up of Republicans and Democrats. In fact, to join, you have to join two by two, a, a Republican and a Democrat. And we meet on a frequent basis to talk about legislation and talk about uh, how we can break the gridlock and how we can come together to solve our country's challenges. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing I've learned through that uh, is that there are good people in both political parties, and there are good ideas in both political parties. And I think the more we listen and talk to each other, the more we can come together to address our challenges like this pandemic, like uh, uh, jobs in the economy, and, and addressing uh, improving access for so many Utahns who really need it. Uh, let me give you a 30-second response, and then back to Congressman McAdams. Then I have a different question that maybe turned the tenor. I have always believed, and I've been very proud of the fact that we have friends on, on both sides of the aisle. Um, I have independent friends, uh, friends that are apolitical. And today we can, as long as we have the same end game, we the people do best when we communicate and we talk. We also have to understand that there's truly an enemy in our door, and this is where Americans have to have to recognize. There are people who really hate our nation, hate our culture. It doesn't have to just be outside of our country. It could be inside our country. When you, when you have folks that are truly trying to take away our, li- our rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, there's an ideology that is totally against what the rest of us are, do, are, are for. I'm the only Republican in my family, and yet we have nice debates. We love each other, and that's what Americans do best. We, the people, talk. We get through it. As long as we have the same end game. There are people in leadership of the Democratic Party who do not have the same end game we have, guys. They want to take away our rights for life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And it's important to recognize that if, if my opponent realizes, thinks that he can just kind of just go along and, and just 
be okay with that, then he's been complicit with those who are trying time. to take away our liberty. 30 seconds. Well, thank you, Doug. Uh, you know, uh, I think the voters are seeing a clear distinction here. Uh, are we going to move forward? I, look, I think we're not at war with ourselves. We are all Americans. When I wake up in the morning, I don't look in the mirror and see a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an American and a, and a Utah and someone who cares about my family and, and making sure that my kids do well and have opportunities in life. And, and I think if we're going to heal what's broken in Washington, and we know it's broken, we don't need name-calling and finger-pointing. We need listening and people who can recognize that, that there is, we have so much more in common than what's di what divides us. And uh, that's, what, uh, that's how I've served, and it's how I'll continue to serve. We welcome Heidi Hatch of KUTV Channel 2. Heidi. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, it was just this last Friday, Representative McAdams, you came out and announced new funding to help with human trafficking aside with the Granite Schools. This is something that I've heard Burgess Owens talk about. It's something that's now a talking point for Republican Party. It's also now something that's embroiled in conspiracy theory. This is a problem that's as old as time, it seems. Why now is it an issue and why is it a focus? One minute, Congressman. Yeah, thank you. You know, first of all, I think it is important that we not allow conspiracy theories and partisanship to get in the way of protecting our kids. And that's why I was proud to introduce legislation, uh, the, the Stifle Act, that I, I'm on the F uh, Financial Services Committee, this oversees banking and transactions, to work with the private sector to identify those global financial transactions and identify which ones could be financing uh, trafficking, child trafficking and human trafficking. And uh, kids are at risk and our kids are vulnerable and we must take steps to protect them. But if once again, if we make this a partisan issue about Republicans or Democrats, who suffers are our kids. And so, you know, it's also why I was proud to stand with the Granite School District and announce that we are uh, uh, funding a program in the Granite School District to help uh, teachers and uh, counselors and principals and even uh, janitors to, to know what to look for uh, if, a, if a child is being trafficked and to help to protect our children. And this is another area where we have to rise above our partisanship and recognize that we are all Americans and we have to protect our kids. Mr. Owens? Well, uh, first of all, I welcome uh, my opponents to the party. Uh, uh, the last two years uh, that this has been going, this is, by the way, a problem we've had for years. Tim Ballard has been a leader in this fight. Uh, I don't think uh, my opponent has sat down with Tim yet to discuss this. Um, uh, and the fact we have a, a president right now has actually put together a uh, committee to focus on this issue. There are 50 million slaves across this country, around the world. 10 million of them are, 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 are children. And to go through the horrendous is issues they have to deal with uh, is, is, is something we need to be upfront. Uh, we cannot continue to, just because we talk about that, push a cons conspiracy into it. So far, uh, whether it be Tim Tebow, Tim Ballard, anyone talks about it, all of a sudden there's a conspiracy behind it. And at the end of the day, my friends, we need to make sure that we're protecting our children. And my goal, and I've had them on the website, is to make sure that Utah is the first traffic-free state in the union by making sure federal, state, and individuals like Madoff uh, uh, Mattress, private industries that are actually focused on this, that, again, my, my opponent, I'm, I don't think, has had met with them either. Uh, so it's nice to, to talk about, but when it comes down to it, action really is what we're looking for. And I've been, this has been a passion for me for, for forever. The fact I work with my at-risk kids with the, in, the, in the juvenile system, this is another piece of making sure that our kids, the next generation, Thank has you, the Mr. safety Owens, they need to have. Time. 
Do you want 30 more seconds or we can move on? Well, I would just say quickly, I probably don't need 30 seconds, but uh, to say welcome to the party, uh, Mr. Owens, I think disrespects some important legislation that I've passed a year ago. I've been in Congress for 18 months. Last summer, I passed legislation to protect our kids online and to hold the feet to the fire of, of online internet companies to protect our kids. And I passed legislation through the House of Representatives again this year. This is something that I have been working on. I'm a, I'm a father of four kids, and I know how scary it can be to be a parent and to see the risks that our kids are exposed to online, whether it's predators or uh, 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 unsavory content online. We have to do better. And I've been working hard at this, uh, not just talking about it, but passing legislation to do our part to stop this horrific practice. My, my understanding is, is you have not passed any legislation. Uh, very, very well, little. That's not, true. that's not true. Well, uh, uh, so at the end of the day, um, this is an issue that should be bipartisan, no question about it. Um, I think we have right now, there's, there's a, a, an energy starting off here in Utah that we can lead our country. We need to make sure we coalesce around those who are doing it. Again, Operation Underground Railroad has been at the very front of this, this issue. And I don't think my opponent has sat down with Tim Ballard yet, discussed what's happened with, their, with them or, uh, or, 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 or Sean Reyes, who's also been very, very involved with this whole process. We have a team that's going to get it done. So let's, let's make that happen. Let's move on. We welcome Ben Winslow of Fox 13. Ben? Ed, I have a question for each one of you, one at a time. So we're going to start with you, Mr. Owens. What do you say or what do you want to say about your appearances on Internet shows that seem to suggest that you're embracing the QAnon fringe conspiracy theory? I think that's as silly as it comes. Um, you know, we have to, again, I, the great thing about my background is I have a history all you have to do is go to my website, BurgessForUtah.com. You start to see years of conversations about what I believe in our country, about our, what my thoughts are about conservatism, about our, our nation, our constitution. It's all there. And it was way before I decided a year or so ago to become a politician. So I think it's interesting in my mind that whoever talks about child trafficking, whether it be Tim Tebow, Tim Ballard, myself, all of a sudden, everything we do is tied into conspiracy. I, up until this came out, I still, I still don't know what QAnon means or what they're all about. It doesn't matter because it doesn't really it reflect on anything I'm doing right now. It's very obvious what I'm trying to get done is, is make sure that we have a, 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 a youth, a, a, an environment where we can lo love our country, God, country, family, respect the women and authority. We get that back in place, start teaching that, I think we'll be in good shape. Ben? And Mr. McAdams, um, how do you respond to criticism about your vote to impeach President Trump? Do you stand by it or do you regret it? I stand by it. I think what the president did was wrong. I also uh, do not hesitate to criticize the way that the Democrats handled that process. I think it was, uh, it was also wrong and also overly partisan. But I, I want to come back to this conversation about, about QAnon as well. That is a, what the FBI has called a dangerous conspiracy theory. And uh, Mr. Owens, you, you've appeared on that show. Uh, you appeared on a QAnon show once and said that you uh, didn't know what it was. Uh, and that you said you'd have to Google it. Well, uh, a few months later, you went back on another QAnon show. And uh, again, you just said tonight, you're not sure what it is. At what point uh, are you responsible for the decisions you make? Uh, I think what we're seeing here is a pattern of bad judgment, whether it's appearing on, on uh, web shows of, of dangerous conspiracy theories or uh, appearing on the, the Wallathon to raise money for, uh, for the wall that turned out to be a fraud uh, and the, uh, the perpetrator of that was arrested. You said at that time you didn't know that Wallathon with the, the crawl underneath talking about raising money, you didn't know that that was a fundraiser for, um, 
you know, I, I, I'm just concerned by what I see here as a, a pattern of, of bad judgment. Mr. Ronstein, give you a minute. Well, it's interesting because, as, as Ben knows, as we go out and get the word out and, and talk to as many artists as we can, we try to make sure we get our message out. The show that he's talking about uh, was a show that was not a QAnon. Someone had called in who happened to be a member of whatever that is. And now Ben's organization, Ben's team, is now considering this entire show a QAnon. Let's get to the issues. Let's get to the facts of what needs to happen. What's happening for District 4 is what we need to be talking about right now. Not all this other peripheral stuff. We have a, a candidate here that's 85 percent has voted for Nancy Pelosi, which means 84 percent against District 4. When you, when, you vote, when, you, when you go vote for impeachment of the president at a time when our, our country was had the lowest unemployment in the history of mankind, the lowest, lowest, lowest unemployment in the history of our country um, for blacks, Hispanics, Asian women, and black unemployment going up to, to skyrocket heights, at that same time, they're impeaching a president that's giving us that. And it was, again, if we realize there's nothing to it, then we realize he's not voting for, uh, for the district. He's voting for the Pelosi, Pelosi plan. Do I, owe you, uh, do I owe you some time? No, good thing. We're good to go. Okay. We welcome Lad Egan of KSL 5. Lad, well, Gentlemen, good evening. Uh, my question is, you know, this district covers both rural and urban areas and kind of in between areas that have experienced a lot of growth. So after speaking with residents, what do you believe is the most important issue facing Utahns in the 4th Congressional District? And let's go to uh, Congressman McAdams for one minute. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Lad. Good to see you. Uh, look, I think there, right now what we are facing is an uptick in COVID-19 cases and, uh, and uh, illness. And we're seeing that really hit our economy. So many Utah families are struggling right now, and we have to do better. We have to uh, have a plan to get this virus under control, to uh, slow the spread of this virus, and then to help those families that are really struggling. And for me, this isn't about Republicans or Democrats. I am Utah's most independent member of Congress and, and don't hesitate to vote against my own party, as I did with, uh, with the, the HEROES Act, the uh, Pelosi's bill that, that spent too much, and uh, working with Republicans in the Problem Solvers Caucus to find a plan that we can come together on to move forward, to, to throw that life preserver to the uh, Utah families that are struggling so much right now. And this is not a time for name-calling and finger-pointing. This is a time to recognize that we're all Americans. The virus doesn't care if we are Republican or Democrat. We've got to rally together and, uh, and, and, and come together to stop the, the harm that's being done and the hardship that's being felt by so many. Can you repeat the question for Mr. Owens? Yes, Mr. Owens. So talking to residents in the 4th Congressional District, what do you believe is the most important issue? As we get further south, it's about land grab. It's about uh, government uh, presidents being able to, to put uh, executive orders together for monuments in which they just take over land. And it has nothing to do with what we, we, we the people are thinking about and what we'd like to do with that. Uh, the taxes, of course. Uh, we have... 277,000 business owners here in this state, 93% are small business owners. We need to make sure that we continue to allow them to hold on to their money, not, have, not, not be taxed out of, out of, out of, out of uh, the success they're having, and allow them to open up again their business the way we should. That is where we get the, the big, not only compassion, but understanding and, and, and wisdom in terms of how we get this thing done with. I would just say about the problem solvers that uh, my, my opponent keeps mentioning. Uh, it's, it's interesting to go to D.C. and, and have this, this, this nice moment. But then to come back to District 4, and we see some of the most negative ads I've ever seen. Uh, and many of them, again, the false ads. Uh, go to Burgess for Utah backslash facts. So it's in, it should, I think we, we should look at not only going to D.C. and having this Cumbria moment, but coming back and actually doing it. 
Let's show the action. Not just talk, but let's have the action to show we can bring ourselves together, talk across the aisle in a way that's true bipartisan, and make sure we're moving our country forward. Let me do one follow on those super PAC ads. Both uh, super PACs have come in for both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, and they're attack ads hitting each of you. How do you respond to that? Do you support the ads that you're seeing on the airwaves? Look, I wish that we could keep the, the outside money and the outside groups out of Utah and, uh, and let Utahns decide. Uh, let each of us as candidates take our message to, to Utah voters and, and let them decide. But let me tell you, I think some of the things that are raised in those ads are concerning. Mr. Owens has made some personal decisions in his past relating to his personal finances, relating to uh, some of the policies that he supports, like privatizing Social Security, that the, the AARP, one of the most trusted organizations for seniors, says would amount to a cut to their Social Security benefits. Uh, uh, his, his record uh, opposing pre protections for people with pre-existing conditions uh, and, um, you know, his, his support for nuclear weapons testing in Utah. All of those things are, are troubling, and I think it's something that is uh, a factor for the voters to take into account and decide as they decide who they're going to vote for in this race. Mr. Owens, comments on what he said? I or think the go to Burgess for Utah backslash facts. Again, when you have so much coming with $10 million from Pelosi PAC throwing at, and then, of course, uh, my opponent's jumping on top of that, it's tough to, to we had to take an entire day just putting together a, a fact sheet. So go there and see that. What I, what I suggest is very simple this. We have to decide as we move this process forward um, about really if in case we have an honest discussion about policies or spend the time tagging each other with falsehoods. So we have, I have policies. My policies very simply are based on four basic tenets. It's really easy to understand. It's about education. It's faith. It's free market, and there's a family unit. Those four tenets will make sure that anybody, no matter where they come in and when they come to this country, can actually experience the American dream. And we've done it best here in Utah. I have a uh, question with needing a five-second answer from each of you. Uh, Congressman, do you support campaign finance reform that would make the candidate accountable for the super PAC? Uh, I, do, I do support campaign finance reform, and I, I especially would support limiting the amount of outside money and dark money that can come into a race. I, Mr. Owens, same question. Uh, I'm a brand new at this, this whole thing of policies, I mean, as a, as a politician. Uh, I'd like to know more what that, what that looks like and, uh, and making sure the free, freedom of speech is all part of, of that process. Thank you. Let's move to uh, another question from one of our students. This deals with climate change. Hello. My name is Austin Fashion Park, and I'm a student here at Salt Lake Community College. With the increase of forest fires and decreases in our state's famous snowpack, Utah has already seen the effects of climate change. What policies will you support to curb the effects of climate change moving forward? Thank you. I can only give you one minute. Just know that the United States leads the entire world in terms of reduction of, of, of CO2 gas and all the other climate, uh, climate change uh, uh, issues that we're dealing with. What we have to do is, uh, is allow the free market the reason why we're doing so well in terms of bringing these, these issues down and, and, and attracting, make sure our, our water is clean, our air is clean, is because we have the free market and process and part of it. The worst polluters in the world are China and India, where we have no, not, the free market is not as big of a part of what they're doing. So I would suggest this. We, let's put together a warp speed commission. We've shown how it does. We have a prototype. We can see exactly how it looks like to have a virus that normally takes, a vaccine that normally takes decades or years to get to, we're doing it in nine months. How about we do the same thing with things like climate change, health care? We can pull together free market and let them take the lead and allow the government to support it versus instead of vice versa. And we get a lot of things taken care of uh, a lot easier and, and, and earlier than we have in the past. Mr. McAdams. 
Thank you. I said at the beginning that in order for laws to be enacted, they have to be bipartisan, and that is the reality. And, and that's where my work with the Problem Solvers Caucus, Republicans and Democrats talking, listening to each other, and developing policies matters. And so I teamed up with one of my fellow uh, uh, Problem Solvers members, a Republican from Ohio, and uh, we've sponsored legislation to advance solar energy, to look at uh, air quality and pollution that's affecting us here in Utah. The solutions to climate change are going to take all of us, Republicans and Democrats, coming together to recognize the magnitude of this problem, and then also work with the private sector to harness the ingenuity and entrepreneurship from the private sector. You know, we did this earlier this summer, came together, Republicans and Democrats, together with the president, and signed, uh, the president signed the Great American Outdoors Act that I was proud to, to, uh, to vote for. This protects lands for hiking and, and camping and, and uh lands that my family enjoys as we get out and, and recreate and hike and uh, that I grew up recreating on as a, as a scout. And so we can do this. We have to do this. It's important. Gentlemen, thank you. There's much more we could discuss, but we have reached the end of our allotted time for questions. We will now move to one-minute closing statements. Prior to airtime, it was determined that Burgess Owens would have the first one-minute opportunity. Mr. Owens, your minute. Thank you again to Utah Debate Commission and those listening. We're fighting for the heart and soul of our nation. We're seeing it played out across our country. Never any stories of riots and destruction. With all this turmoil, America still is the greatest country in the history of mankind. America is a land of opportunity, and no one knows that better than Utahns. Only in America can my story exist. Only in America can, through education, faith, hard work, and family, can we see, overcome all obstacles. Only in America, through these same values, can a future representative or president come from programs like Second Chance for Youth. I'm living the American dream, and I've dedicated my life to helping others realize the same potential. Now, more than ever, we need leaders who will stand for their principles and won't compromise their values for political opportunities. Now, more than ever, we need leaders who stand up against the lawlessness that's going across our country. In November, we have the opportunity to reject the mob mentality and once again be the shining city on the hill. Friends, it's time for us to unite. I ask for your vote. I promise to represent you with honesty, courage, hard work, and a servant's heart. Thank you, Mr. Owens. Thank you. God bless this great state of Utah. Thank you. And let me just say to Julie and our four kids who are watching tonight from home, thank you for always supporting me. Our country is hurting. Our state is hurting. And we won't get better economically until we act individually responsible to get this virus under control. The divisiveness and gridlock in Washington won't get better until we put people ahead of party. We need to stop the name-calling and stop attacking the motives of each other and find shared values and common ground. I work hard to represent everyone. Some people think I'm not liberal enough. Other people think I'm not conservative enough. You may not always agree with every decision I make, but you know my heart's in the right place. I listen. I work to bring people together, and I work to find solutions. I'm independent, and I try to do what's best for Utah, even if it's not always popular, like my work to stop a congressional pay raise that was proposed by Republicans and Democrats, to uh, require a balanced budget, or to stop the Trump's plan for, to resume nuclear weapons testing. I work across party lines to get things done and help people, and I would be honored to continue to represent you in Congress. Thank you both. My thanks to Congressman Ben McAdams and to Mr. Burgess Owens for their time this evening. Special appreciation to those who asked questions, including our panelists and students. 
I'd like to offer a particular thanks to Karen Hill and Hale and Wayne Niederhauser, who are co-chairs of the Utah Debate Commission, and Executive Director Nina Sliding. We also need to recognize our media partners for organizing and providing airtime for this debate. And the commission also would like to thank our generous sponsors, the Larry H. and Gail Miller Family Foundation and George and Dolores Dory Eccles Foundation. I'd like to remind you that the next debate is October 15th at 6 o'clock, featuring candidates for the 3rd Congressional District. Remember to mail in or cast your ballot on or before November 3rd. In Salt Lake City, I'm Doug Wilkes. Good night. Good night.